Transmitting from the lovely little city of Taylor, Texas, you are listening to Plow and Hose, a show dedicated to the joys and challenges of organic backyard gardening in Central Texas. I am your host, Julie Rydell. Welcome to the show. Hi there, plant people. Welcome to Plow and Hose, my little studio here in my sweet little hometown of Taylor, Texas. Yay! It's the uh, first full week of March and I am so pleased and excited because we are getting so close to springtime and it actually feels like we have turned the corner and hopefully, fingers crossed, we are done with freezing temperatures The last average frost date for Taylor and our part of Central Texas is March 5th, and we have definitely passed that milestone. Now, of course, you know, the average um, frost date, last frost date, it's just a general date that we can feel pretty good about being done with freezing temperatures. There is, of course, always a chance we could get some freaky cold snap, but I'm optimistic that the worst of the um, cold temperatures are behind us, and I think it's pretty safe to get excited about this time of the year and getting back into our gardens. We can plant a lot of seeds outside right now, For late spring, early summer harvest, we can plant beets, beans, chard, Swiss chard, corn, cucumbers, and all the leafy greens, including lettuce, kale, mustard, collards, and turnips. Plus, we can plant summer squash and some more radishes. If you happen to have any carrot seeds that you haven't planted yet, this is the absolute last call to get them planted. So, Get those carrot seeds planted as soon as possible. All those seeds will be just fine in the ground. Um, It's going to take them a little time to germinate and sprout up. But as we wait for them, you know, it's going to be warming up over the next few weeks. But if we do happen to get some cold overnight temperatures, you can always cover up any of those seedlings that pop up. Surrounding our plants with like an old sheet or a cardboard box is going to help trap the soil temperature from the warm days while blocking out cold air overnight. The air inside that little tent that you created around your plants will be warmer than the temperature outside the tent. That warmth keeps our plants nice and cozy and because it creates a little microclimate that protects them from cold damage. Getting past that last average frost date is a big deal for those of us who love to grow tomatoes because the last average frost date is the universal date that is informally accepted all over the world that 
it's time that we can start to plant tomatoes. Planting tomato seedlings outside now is still a little risky, but as long as you keep track of the weather forecast and cover your plants when the temperatures get too low, you can have a long productive tomato growing season in central Texas. Tomatoes are big plants and they take a while to get established. They have big root systems and they like to take their time to get developed. So planting them early allows them to develop healthy roots before putting on a whole bunch of growth above the ground. Tomatoes and other summer veggies like cucumbers and summer squash, they all thrive between 55 and 85 degrees. So if you do decide to go ahead and transplant your tomatoes and other transplants right now, keep an eye on the temperatures and just have a plan, a plan if you need to cover them up. Now, if you are new to tomato gardening, be sure to download the January 16th podcast of Plant Hose. It's episode number 49, and you can find it wherever you download podcasts. It's the show that goes into all kinds of details about tomatoes. When you decide to plant tomatoes um, outside, you are going to want, the, want to plant them deeply, like unnaturally deep. It's going to feel weird. Like you want to bury them up to the top set of leaves. You want to do this because tomatoes have the ability to grow roots along their stems. So, you know, have you ever noticed on a tomato plant that has like a kind of a fine white fuzz on the tomato stems? Well, each of those little fibers has the potential to make roots. So when planting tomatoes, go ahead plant them deep, plant them right up to the top set of leaves. If you find some tomato plants um, that seem like they're kind of overgrown, maybe they're long and leggy and scraggly looking, don't worry about that because you can plant those. And you don't have to worry about trying to dig a really, really deep hole to accommodate a, a tall leggy tomato seedling. All you have to do is dig like a small trench and lay the tomato plant on its side and just cover the root ball and the length of the stem, um, but still leave the um, two leaves sticking out of the ground in the top. When you bury the stem, all those fuzzy little fibers will go into root development mode and become the foundation for a nice, strong, healthy root system. A strong root system is essential to all plants um, because when conditions are less than ideal, like temperature or water stress or physical damage, those plants with a strong root system will be more likely to recover. They're going to recover faster than um, a plant that doesn't have such a great root system already established. Now, those tomatoes, you're definitely going to want to place a stake or a cage around your tomato plants before they get um, very big. Tomatoes have that 
pretty extensive root system. And when you transplant your tomato seedling, it's going to start focusing right away on getting the roots established before they spend any time growing above the ground. So don't wait until the top part of your plants really start to, um, to grow before you put in your cage or your stakes. You don't want to ram, um, damage the root system by jamming a cage around your um, tomato plant when you're trying to put it in the soil. Be sure your cages or stakes are firmly in place in the soil too. They need to be pretty secure in the soil because tomatoes are big plants and the weight of a fully grown tomato plant can cause the cage to lean over or um, if it's not secure and it like pokes out of the ground, it's really going to be pretty useless as a support. Once you get them planted, give them some fresh fertilizer. Choose an organic product that is high in phosphorus. And if it's a dry product, you can just scratch that into the top part of the soil, just right there on the surface. Or you could use a liquid product and pour that on your um, tomato plants. Phosphorus is essential to root development and it stimulates roots. So it's, it's really good for um, plants that have a really extensive root system and helping them get established. This time of year, early March, we are still kind of in late winter and pre-spring. This is the ideal time for planting and pruning fruit trees. So if you want to add a fruit tree or two to your landscape now is the great time to get them planted. Local independent nurseries like Taylor Garden Center that we have here in Taylor, um, those are my first choice uh, choices for um, when shopping for fruit trees, not only because it supports our local economy, but it's also because they are going to be able to recommend varieties that do well in our soil and climate here in Taylor and our part of Central Texas. Local nurseries buy the items they stock themselves, and they're usually really well versed in products and plants that they sell. Bare root trees are nice if you can get them. Not only are they usually less expensive than the potted ones, but they're also easier to plant and move around because they have no soil. Container-grown trees can be quite heavy, not necessarily because they have better roots, but because they have all the weight from the soil in the container. Bare root trees are only available for a very short time because these little trees are dormant and when they start to when it starts to warm up then that's when the plant starts to wake up and wants to start growing and when this happens um, any bare root trees that are left over um, at the nurseries they get potted up into containers to protect the roots and what happens is that you will end up paying a little bit more for a container grown fruit tree if you wait too long. 
because their roots are completely exposed. There's a very short planting window for bare root trees. So you need to buy and get your bare root trees in the ground as soon as possible, preferably right um, right when you get home so they don't get damaged or dry out. Early March is also the perfect time for planting. Um, I'm sorry. Early March is also the perfect time for pruning newly planted and established fruit trees. There are some general rules and guidelines for um, pruning fruit trees, but it's shaping is really more of an art. Pruning is really important for fruit production. It sounds counterintuitive, but by thinning your trees and removing branches, you will actually get better fruit yields than if you don't. Every single blossom on a fruit tree has the potential of becoming a piece of fruit. Fruit trees, of course, they don't make fruit necessarily for us. I mean, their main function is uh, for making fruit is to make more seeds so that there will be more fruit trees. If you allow a tree to grow without um, doing some pruning, you will get lots and lots of branches and lots and lots of blossoms. When the blossoms are pollinated, the tree will expend tons and tons of energy into developing those pollinated blossoms into fruit. It doesn't matter how many pollinated blossoms there are on a tree. A fruit tree is going to put its energy into developing fruit. So, I don't know, let's say there are a thousand pollinated blossoms, then the tree divides its energy a thousand ways, you know, enough energy for all of those blossoms. And when it does, when it does this and we, and it, it tries to make that many fruits, what happens is that you will get lots of small and disappointing fruits. When left unpruned and unthinned, the smallest and the weakest fruits will just fall off. Depending on conditions, you may not actually get any decent fruit, but pruning and thinning a fruit tree when the tree is dormant before it blooms, you can actually get better quality fruits and nice fruits that you'll, pieces of fruit that you'll actually enjoy. Pruning and thinning reduces the number of blossoms, but increases the opportunity for better quality and quantity of beautiful fruit to enjoy. When there are fewer pollinated blossoms, the tree has more resources and energy um, to put into the ones that remain. Removing branches also allows more sunlight. When a fruit tree is overgrown and it's too leafy, the lower branches don't get enough sunlight. And over time, those branches will um, stop producing and eventually die and become dead wood. The fruit will form um, higher up in the tree where it's a lot more difficult to reach. When it comes to pruning a fruit tree, timing is critical. 
You are listening to Plow and Hose on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you are enjoying my show, I hope you'll go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and check out the station and learn all about the shows and music coming out of our station broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. While you're out on the internet, be sure to stop by the Plow and Hose Facebook page or Plow and Hose Instagram and like and share it with your gardening friends. Or head over to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to the Plan Host Podcast. If you like the flexibility of being able to play, pause, and rewind my show whenever you want, download some episodes and be sure to leave a review. It's super quick. Some platforms allow you just to click on the stars. Some platforms have a space for you to write a couple sentences. Um, if you please have the opportunity to do that please just just do that it's going to help others find the show and it lets folks know that plow and hose is a pretty good show and if you've already left a review like carlita thank you so very much i really do appreciate that carlita okay so like most plants fruit trees take a break during the winter Once the weather warms up and we start having more daylight, the fruit trees break dormancy and start to wake up and they start wanting to grow. And there is this sweet spot that happens in late winter when it's the ideal time to prune fruit bearing trees. And that time is now. I like to call it pre-spring because the weather in central Texas is weird. Um, and it doesn't really line up with calendar winter or calendar spring. You really don't want to prune fruit trees when there is a significant chance of a killing freeze. A killing freeze is when temperatures stay below 28 degrees for several hours. And you don't really want to prune a fruit tree once it starts blooming. If you have established fruit trees in your yard, the perfect time to prune is before the buds break and the blossoms unfold. So if you've got some fruit trees, go visit them and check it out, check them out. See if they're ready for some pruning. There are some general pruning guidelines for all fruiting trees. You can safely remove about one third of your fruit tree each year. Too much pruning can cause your tree to kind of freak out and put on an overabundance of new growth called water sprouts. These are thin shoots that pop up all along the trunk and the branches of fruit trees. Water sprouts are kind of cute. They look like happy new fresh growth, but They're like suckers that sprout out at the base of the tree. Water sprouts and suckers almost never produce fruit. And if they're left, they divert energy away from fruit production. So try to keep your annual pruning to one third of the living wood. Dead wood doesn't count when you're pruning your tree, so clean out the dead wood first before you start making decisions on cutting out and removing live wood. Once the dead wood is removed, get any 
uh, um, get rid of any understory branches that aren't getting light or weren't productive the previous year. Um, they're just using um, extra energy and they're not going to produce fruit. So just remove enough unproductive wood so that the tree can direct its energy into fruit production and new growth. Ideally, you want to keep your fruit trees under seven feet tall. And that's because when they get that tall, it will be hard to harvest the fruits at the top of the tree. And those unreachable fruits can cause extra weight, which can cause upper branches to break. Cracks and broken limbs just invite problems like insects and disease. So for easier harvest and also improving airflow and sunlight, you should prune branches that um, prune them and remove branches that grow that are growing towards the trunk or that cross main branches. You want to keep your fruit trees nicely shaped with plenty of airflow and sunlight, but also have easy access for harvest. So not too tall, not too full. Prune your tree for fruit development and easy picking. Younger trees can take heavier pruning and most of the shaping should be done in the first three years after planting. These are the best years to train your fruit trees for growth habit while maintaining manageable sizes. If you have branches that are pointing down, trim those. If they are growing straight up and they have the potential for blocking lower branches from receiving sunlight, trim those. Start at the top of the tree and prune downwards. This is going to help open up the tree so that it gets the most sunlight. If you have an older fruit tree that hasn't been pruned in several years or you don't know its history, start with removing dead wood and then look at the shape and lightly prune it. You really don't want to overdo it. Um, on older trees because too many cuts can stress out an older tree and too much pruning can actually kill an older tree. You got to be patient. Don't try to reshape an established tree in one year. It's just going to take some time um, to prune out an older tree. Different fruit trees have different pruning needs, and that's kind of annoying that the different varieties of fruiting trees can't just all have the same shape and growth patterns, but I've found that life is generally annoying, but <laughs> we are smart and willing to learn, and with just a little bit of effort, we can have some nice fruit trees in our yards. There are basically three types of fruit tree structures, central leader, open center, and natural. Central leader trees like to grow from the main trunk. All the side branches develop from the main trunk, which grows straight from bottom to top and the tree canopy uh, is distinctly kind of pyramid shaped, kind of that classic tree shape. 
narrow at the top and wider at the bottom. Apples, pears, and plums are central leader trees. That's how they uh, they do best when you uh, train them that way. Branches on these fruit trees that um, that grow from the center, main um, that main trunk, they need to be at least eight inches apart, um, but not more than twenty four. When you are training a a young tree, one that's only a few years old, you don't really have to worry too much about. Um, having branches exactly eight inches apart because your tree is going to grow and the distance between those main branches will also grow too. So it'll increase. With open center type fruit trees, instead of having that main center um, trunk where all the branches form, The, the main leader branch is actually removed and the open center fruit trees are pruned so that they look more and have like a bowl shape with like a wide opening in the middle. And there's not like a, a single straight branch that comes right up through the, through the middle. It, it's all open. This is going to... Um, this, is, this allows for sunlight to reach all the branches in dense fruit trees like peaches, nectarines, and apricots. Then the third type of tree structure for fruiting trees. Um, these are trees that really don't need to be trained and you don't have to do much pruning at all. They only need to have the dead and damaged wood removed every year. These trees are referred to as natural structure trees and they include figs, citrus, jujubee, and pomegranate. Figs and pomegranates do best when they're left to grow like a shrub. They produce best when they're allowed to grow the way that they want, so just leave them natural. Don't try to train them where they have one single trunk. They won't be nearly as productive and they'll look dumb and <laughs> ugly. So leave figs and pomegranates alone. Citrus trees don't need a lot of pruning either. You mainly need to remove suckers from the base and then those water sprouts from um, the limbs. They can take a little bit of shaping, but citrus trees don't need much um, pruning in order to be productive and attractive. Jujube trees aren't common in home landscapes and they're really underutilized. Most people aren't really familiar with them, just they're not very common in landscapes. Most of us are might only really know jujubes as like an old-fashioned type of candy. Um, I vaguely remember disliking them. Um, they're kind of like um, a firm gumdrop type candy. Uh, I don't remember really liking them, but anyway. <laughs> Jujube trees are tough little trees, and they've been growing in Texas actually since the late 1800s. 
jujubes are native to China. They are sometimes called Chinese dates because the fruits look very similar to small palm dates. Jujubes are also reddish brown, very sweet, and have a single seed. The fruits are probably an inch to an inch and a half long, maybe up to two inches. So they're pretty much the size and shape of like a big old giant olive. Jujubes are one of the easiest fruits to grow. They have um, very few pests and problems. They can um, they can get kind of tall, 30 to 50 feet tall when they are happy and in in a great spot. They have pretty dark green leaves that are shiny and kind of waxy looking on the top. Um, and But on, on the underside of the leaves, they're slightly fuzzy. And the bark on the trees are grayish brown and they have kind of like a nice texture. The fruits are sweet and they have a texture and a flavor that's kind of similar to apples or pears. Jujube trees are amazingly drought tolerant and they tolerate a wide range of soil pH and they will survive in soils in Texas where other trees would die. Jujubes love hot and dry climate and we definitely have that here in central Texas. And even in the worst summer conditions, they will still produce fruit, which will ripen from August through the end of September here in Central Texas. Some jujubes are self-pollinating and you only need one. Um, others aren't. So if you are in the market for a jujube tree, you need to make sure that you find out if you have a self-pollinating or one that requires a buddy tree to cross-pollinate. Most varieties need a, a buddy tree. They need a different variety to swap pollen so that they can make fruit. There's been a lot of interest in jujubes lately thanks to an article in the Texas Monthly Magazine um, that was about um, edible plants and I, it came out like in, in February. And so, I don't know, Texas Monthly Magazine is pretty popular. And I'm going to guess that it might be kind of hard to find jujubes this year just because people um, are pretty interested in, in growing them this year. I did happen to see a couple of different varieties at... Um, Taylor Garden Center. So if you have an interest in uh, jujubes, you might want to give Taylor Garden Center a call and find out um, what kind of stock they have. All right, friends, that's all I have for today. Thank you for joining me again. It's such a great time of year for gardening, and I hope you are as excited as I am about springtime and getting back into the garden. I hope you have a wonderful week. Bye. Hey, <laughs> 
production assistance provided by KBSR, Black Sparrow Radio. Original music created by Alex Cuervo. Discover more of his music at alexcuervo.tv. If you love plants and gardening in Central Texas, be sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and never miss seasonal information on Plow and Hose. Plow and Hose is written and recorded at my home in Taylor, Texas. Music